got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah, and I've been reading all the war. What's up, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for kicking us off. I they, they don't they don't play the intro music for me anymore, so I have no idea oh, okay. when we're starting. So it's it's on you guys to start it on your end. I don't I don't know what they're doing over there. They're blanking me okay. out, but uh, I'm excited to see you and I'm excited to hear you now. I'm excited to see you too. Uh, once a week, we are on the same show, and that's the only time I get to see you these days. You're always secluded at the Dooner Bunker, but but glad to see you. Glad to talk to you today. Oh, and hey, we have someone in the comments already. Sheena Davis said, uh, looking forward to today's show. Lisa Petty, good morning, everyone. Tony Anderson, he uh, gives us a big fist, so punch right back. Uh, a really cool, let's, let's talk about a really cool thing that happened online. Someone sharing a story about being a part of the Put That Coffee Down community. And um, this one's right here. At the start of lockdown, Kevin Hill and I, we learned about Nicole's story, right? Nicole, she had lost her job, decided to start this company. Nicole Barrett decided to start Freight by Nicole. From that low, she started this. She starts this new business, starts connecting with the Put That Coffee Down community. And just recently, she's getting ready to to launch her new business. And uh, she formed a partnership with Janet Turner. Janet Turner said, Nicole Barrett, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate your integrity. And I look forward to collaborating with you on future products. So crazy from a tune in to Put That Coffee Down, a uh, relationship is born. And then Nicole says, becoming a member of the Put That Coffee Down community has been a game changer. I have met hundreds of wonderful people like Janet as a uh, as a result who have helped accelerate the growth and her confidence as well in just a few short months. So exciting stuff. We'll have to do a follow up with her soon. Right, Kevin? We, we, we will. Yeah, she's she's launching uh, here in the next uh, week or so. I think I, I saw on a LinkedIn post. So it's great. You know, people are doing business in the comment section on on LinkedIn and, and basically through just networking, just uh, the going areas. We we have the lead list out there um, or, or the networking list. I, I shouldn't call it a lead list, but it's I guess it's a lead for networking. So everyone can sign up for that and kind of get into uh, the, this community. Oh, and Eric Serta and Lisa Petty, they say, could I get the name of the intro song? It always pumps me up. Yes, it's called Art of War. It's by McCall, and it's actually on, if you subscribe to the show on Freightcast or on, uh, on uh, not Freightcast, subscribe to Put That Coffee Down on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. It's actually uh, episode 00 is Art of War by McCall. So go in there and, and check it out. It's, it's right up there. What you should also check out is HubTech. This month's Put That Coffee Down is sponsored by HubTech. HubTech just launched Tabby. Tabby is a new task automation bot that helps you focus on what matters. To learn more, visit GoHubTech.com and very apropos because this entire show is about launching a product. Prepare for takeoff, please. Here's a quote. Your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning, and that is from Bill Gates from Microsoft. Very, uh, very good advice from that gentleman. It is very good advice. Uh, what was an example that that you have of uh, of being able to, to create something because of unhappy customers? What? Wait, what's that? What's a great example? I think I think <laughs> yeah, any any successful simple. any successful product is an example of being multiple iterations, right? I mean, you have your you have your beta version, and then you have to go to alpha, mm-hmm. and hopefully you should still keep improving. Although sometimes on LinkedIn, it seems like every time they fix something, they throw in a new, a new bug in there. 
it's kind of like Microsoft, which I guess owns LinkedIn now. I know. Uh, Bill Gates needs to take his own advice. Customers. I like Microsoft. I have nothing against them. But, uh, you know, there's one company that has a lot of unhappy customers, and it's Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, he should take his own advice on uh, on that one and maybe listen to some of the complaints on, on LinkedIn. Uh, you have a quote, too. What is it? Yeah, this one's... Uh, from Grant Cardone, the 10X rule is all about new products or, or new services. And the quote is, regardless of how superior your product, service, or proposition is, I assure you that there will be something you don't anticipate or correctly plan. Economic changes, legal matters, competition, resistance to converting, too new of a product, banks freezing up, market uncertainty, technology changes, uh, people problems, more people problems, elections, war, strikes, pandemics. These are just a few of the potential unexpected events. So wow. no matter how well we plan for launching a new product or uh, how the marketing will be or, or, or the, the market penetration will be, uh, it's going to be harder than you ever anticipate or ever plan for. It always is. Kevin, Something we always goes wrong. Kevin, we started a new segment where we're today in bad marketing or this week in bad marketing. And, and our quick subject here is going to be Queeby. Do you use Queeby? I don't use it. I barely even know what it is. We were talking before the show. Uh, so explain explain to everybody what Quibi is first, Dooner. Well, okay. Quibi is a fledgling video platform, right? It's, it's got a ton of money behind it. And I think that the way it's supposed to work, I haven't downloaded it myself. I've seen all... All of their marketing, all their push, especially on Twitter. But you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to watch like five minute long videos almost exclusively on your cell phone. I don't think it even has a TV component to it. And I don't think it has a user social component where you can also have some output and be involved, involved in that community. And on top of that, you also have to pay to use the program as well. But here's a little story behind it. So the fledgling video platform is suffering after its tepid launch, which was uh, fueled by what seemed like endless amounts of marketing, especially on Twitter. The bite-sized streaming video service is funded by, get this, $1.75 billion at launch in April. But now, now, talk about launching a product. This one, uh, failure to launch. It sits on, it's not even in the top 200 apps in the Apple Store. It's 21st in entertainment. Jeffrey Katzenberg, he's Queeby's co-founder. He says that it's all thanks to the coronavirus, Kevin. He says, I attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus. Everything. But we own it. He told that to the New York Times. What do you make of that? Well, he's blaming the coronavirus, which forces everyone to stay inside, stay quarantined try to find new things to do with their phone in their hand all the time, going through Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and whatever new entertainment they can find. And this is the problem. Wow. And Stan says, I mean, it's just it really Stan Duncan says, ha, questioning your core business assumptions is a good place to start. Yeah. Maybe Queeby could have done that. So what's going on with them now though, is according to the rap, the company to save money, it's uh, it's two leaders, Katzenberg being one of them and 11 other senior executives are taking 10% pay cuts. The article also says that Queeby is on pace for just 2 million subscribers by year end. They had promised investors and predicted 7.2 million. And what's even worse is that these aren't paid subscribers. These are free subscribers and they've extended the, the, the free subscription timeline by another month yeah that's i i can't believe they raised 1.75 billion dollars i mean I, I really can't and it looks like they're they're in, in some some you know some trouble right now and uh I, I don't know i just don't buy the concept of quibi david nuffer he says crazy to say a mobile platform is not being adopted 
uh, I, I think he's saying during the coronavirus, given how much TikTok has taken off during Corona. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. But, you know, the thing about TikTok is, A, it's free. B, it's all you. It's mostly all users that that put the content on there. Right. TikTok is not a content production company. They are just a platform. And that's the problem with Queeby. They marketed themselves a lot as a platform, but not as content. So what are the shows on here? What is the must see show? What is it? What's your Stranger Things? What's your mm-hmm. Cobra Kai? What makes me want to go on this platform and watch five minutes of a video at a time? especially if I can't also share on here and TikTok is just eating their lunch. They are. It's, it's, it, it reminds me of some of the products out there that were heavily financed, heavily marketed. They should have, they should be the game changers and they just fell to, to people in their garage who are just working on an idea and, and building off passions and dreams of just hard work and sweat and, and sleeping on, on the floor. And this is all the hallmarks of one of those stories. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll keep abreast of that if Queeby's still still around in, in a quarter or so. But, uh, I mean, they have a lot of money to burn through. We'll see what happens with them. We did get an audience question of the week, too. Francis Chatfield, he's a senior team leader at Nolan Transport Group. He said that, hey, Dooner, we have a big sales class starting in September. A lot of these new hires are sitting around waiting for their start date. Besides the podcast, his first suggestion, what material would you recommend for a new hire? Uh, I recommended Ask Waves, which is a section on Freight Waves that has a bunch of sort of 101 material. We'll help them get the vocabulary. That'll be very important. And I also recommended that that coaching the new hires with your successful sales reps. I can tell you from experience, I've been in multiple sales jobs and none of them, none of them had uh, people really mentoring the salespeople, showing them how that they had been successful uh, putting the product out there, how they've been pitching it, how they've been overcoming objections and those kind of things. I think that that can go a long way to helping to helping a fledgling team because you have a very unique thing. You've got a room full of people and right then you can imprint a lot of good and bad habits in one time. You can. And and some of that market knowledge is now at sonar.freightwaves.com on the, the freight market block. So you can find other kind of like Ask Waves, Freight 101 articles there. Uh, which is really good, but it's it's time to maybe do some videos about secret tips, as you were saying, secret tips from your top performers, and even before that that new class even walks through the building, you can distribute that out and start the training well below or well before the, the actual training coming in, hitting the phones, learning uh, in a, a very structured manner what the freight market is. Martin Mayotte says, looking sharp, guys. You too. Uh, well, in your profile picture, at least, Martin. But I, I imagine you're quite the, the handsome gentleman in, in live and living color as well. All right, Kevin, let's get on to our headline topic. We, again, we, we put surveys out on social media. We reach out to the community here to get some of their feedback. And some of the feedback we got on launching a product, Andy Hendrick, he, uh, he reached out and he said, a very nice survey and I have participated. Having launched several new products in my career, the biggest challenge is finding the audience channels where your best targets are learning and interacting. Once you determine that, get in front of the audience with valuable testimonials, video content that makes them comfortable with what with you and uh, what you are doing for the market. Interact via phone, online meetings, messaging tools, and in-person meetings to get to know your prospects and understand their needs. Then make sure you can succinctly explain how they benefit from your product for their needs. In that order, videos are getting the most eyeballs interaction for us in the current world of digital marketing. That's his two cents, and I think that those are all very solid points. They are all very solid points. You have to, to get feedback. You have to know your target market. There's a lot of things you need to know. Uh, before you even launch a, a new product, uh, and, you know, and I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of time and money and effort, resources into new products without testing it out in the market or even getting a pool of buyers ready. Because that's, to, to, to my mind, that's always 
just as or more difficult a task is to get that market lined up, educated, uh, buying into your product before you spend, you know, but, you know, as opposed to building the product itself, right? So you have building a product, which is coming up with the concept, making it market ready, going to market is all a challenging task. Uh, but if you haven't lined up that, that market to sell to, that's an even longer task in some cases. Yeah. So, I mean, when you want to make a new product too, right, Kevin, you have to have an idea, you have to have an inception, you have to have a why, right? And you have to start thinking mm-hmm. about these ideas and, and thinking about the resources and the team that you would need to make it. Uh, you might want to seek advice from friends and family, but friends and family are probably going to be like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great idea. Good luck out there. They'll tap you on the head. They'll send you, mm-hmm. you know, they'll send you out there to the wolves covered in blood. You want to ask some of your cynical friends. You want to ask some of the a-holes you know about what you're putting out there. Now, don't take everything they say as creed, but, you know, take some of their criticism as a portion of the market you're going to introduce your good to because that you might face those same criticisms when it's out there. And like any good debater, you have to be prepared to counter or get ahead of what people may not understand about your product or might criticize it for. Yeah, and, and, and those criticisms are just objections, right? So you can take those objections and address them before your actual customers do by, you know, taking whatever the objections is, like I can't do this or it doesn't have this feature and building it into that product or it doesn't have this service or this process and building that in to, to, to make a, a better product even before you go out and sell it. So you're taking those objections, putting those into the product and, uh, and basically reducing friction on your sales. Yeah, and I would I would say that this stage, this stage is, is should not be taken lightly. And I mean, it seems obvious, but I mean, as Brandon Dawson says, don't put the cart before the horse, the chicken before the egg or the money before the product, right? You have to understand, you have to know your why. You have to know why you're putting this out in the market. And that will help you explain it to investors, to the team that you're going to recruit to help you put it out there, ultimately to your salespeople so they can sell it. Knowing your why is probably the most critical thing about launching a product, in my opinion. It, it is. It's got to solve a pain point, right? It's, it's got to solve a problem. And the more immediate it solves a problem, the, the, the better it's going to be. It goes back to, to Quigby. Um, well, what is their why, really? You yeah. know, coming, you know, describing the product, there really is no why. Why do we need five-minute celebrity, uh, celebrity videos? I mean, you can go to YouTube. You can go to a lot of different platforms, you know, Instagram, whatever, to, to do that. So what problem are they really solving? Yeah, I've, I've never sat there and been like, wow, I wish there was some like, you know, high end, well-produced content that I could watch vertically on my telephone for five minutes at a time. Like, it's just not it doesn't serve a market for me. And I'm someone who uh, I always get um, shamed by my phone for like the amount of screen time has increased week on week by my iPhone. <laughs> I mean, I'm, this thing's glued to my damn hand, man. And I, I've got no interest in the queebs. I know. Right. Plus, you have to pay for it. Right. So so what? What part of the market, what, what problem are they really fixing or, 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 or providing? Is there a solution there at all? Uh, have they raised $1.75 billion to do that? I don't know. But, um, but those are questions that you have to ask on, whenever you're developing a new product or service. 
The other thing is, too, is, is, is who? What? Right? Who? What is it for? Mm-hmm. Who is this intended for? You know why you're making it, but who is it for now? Is it for your current users, and you need you want to upsell them? You're like, yeah, this product's doing great. It's not growing as fast as we want, but there, there's a uh, the, the market or the people our user base is asking for these extra accessorials or enhancements to the product. Then you know you have a little market there. Maybe it's for new users. Maybe you want to bring new users into the market. That's going to take a little bit different market research than the people you've already gathered. You're trying to serve some a little bit differently. Maybe you want to service your power users because they are using it in ways, you know, they're they're testing the fences, you know, they're breaking the walls. They're doing what are they say in, in video game coding, you know, they're 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 breaking the game. Or maybe it's for your casual users. Maybe your product is too complicated for for the regular person, and maybe you want to scale. Maybe you want to put out a free version of it or a lower-cost version that maybe your average broker could use instead of something that would take someone with the higher-end skills. You're, you're exactly right. And to identify what you need to do, you have to describe your key market, your, your key target market. And, and beyond that, you have to go down to the key target individual, right? And create a persona, write it out. You, you'll fiddle with it and, and keep going back and making corrections, but, but nail down what their workflow is, what motivates them, what are their concerns, how are they judged in their performance, uh, how is it going to make them feel? How is it going to enrich their life? You know, what their age is. I mean, you just just develop a whole story about your idea person or idea customer and make that a single individual. And that will really focus and hone in uh, your marketing message, your sales message, uh, what type of objections you might get, what you need to do to sell to that one persona, avatar, individual. And then there you go. Yeah, a couple comments adding just some color to this too is Nicole Barrett. She says, knowing our why is super important and getting help and good advice is too. Andy Hendrick, he says, differentiation is key. What are you doing that is different than what is available today? David Nuffer, he says, uh, it has to solve a problem in in a way that is meaningfully better than existing solutions. Just better isn't enough. Yeah, so just a small iterative better. It may not be enough to, to convince users to leave a different platform or different service, especially if they're with a service that is uh, improving in it you want to be a, you want to be the next generation or the next level to really capture that market and to really take their user base away. And you know, we used to see it happen all the time in social media before Facebook came around. When you had um, what was it, Friendster, and then you had MySpace. So iteratively better, but ultimately better, and it brought in the people. Yeah, you, you have to iterate. You have to get better. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there, no matter what you do. So you always have to to take that that feedback. You know, do your customer surveys. Do all the feedback you can get to iterate, get better. You see that with kind of, I, I don't want to say Windows, with, with Bill Gates. Uh, but they're always, you know, coming out with, with the, the updates on, on, on that. Sometimes they're better, sometimes not so better, but they're always doing something. Some advice that I've received is to not necessarily think fully about what it does, but what might it do, especially when you're in the initial development stage. And the reason you want to think that way is what might it do versus what does it do is it opens the door for for you and your team to go out to the market, to go get opinion, to go use user surveys, to use usage data of existing products, concerns your customer service department has had, and uh, choose partners to share in the development, even if that means requesting information be in bargains when you want to bring in some people to trust to really get that beta formulated and to have sort of an open mind about what this might look like. Many, many successful companies now are different different than what they set out to be, including our own. Yeah, yeah. The, the beta testing, I, people think it's beta testing, improving the product, but really what it is, you're selling in beta. You're always selling. 
You're always selling in beta. You're creating a market for what this product will be able to do at some point. So you're taking the buy-in, you're taking the feedback, but what you're really doing is developing a market to once that, that product is ready to go to market, you have customers in line and prospects in line to, to go out and, and market that too. Here's a problem that I see some companies too do as well. They let a press release be their marketing copy. Copy. What do you have to understand about press releases? That press releases are written for journalists. They're written in a very specific way so that journalists can take information out and make articles very, very quickly. They are not written for users and they're not written for customers. They're written for for people who, who are going to post things on websites and stuff like that. It's great to have those out there. You do want some media involvement, but it, don't use it in place of marketing and definitely don't let it end there, especially in 2020, where some of the best press releases can just be social media anyway they they are they, they work a lot of times much better than than press releases press press releases that they are for journalists they're, they're very confusing it takes a while to dig in and find what is going on especially if you're not familiar maybe with that product or service where social media linkedin um facebook instagram uh you know, just your own blog, you know, doing a video on it is a much cleaner approach. You can explain your product, you can explain the benefits, and you can connect much more easily with your, your target audience. Well, sure. And, and who creates brand trust with a press release? Who's, who's read a press release and been like, wow, now I have a ton of affinity for this brand. Wow, this really gets me excited. That's not yeah. really how the world works in 2020. But social media does drive a lot of these things. And companies that leverage it well get a ton of reach. And they do something that is very hard to capture. And that is trust. And that is trust in your consumer and interest in your consumer, interest in, in a general audience that what you're doing, that, that they look forward to. Look at great Kickstarters. Look at some of the marketing behind great Kickstarters and how they get people to throw money in products that may never even exist. That isn't driven through press releases. That is driven through social media. Yeah, it's driven through social media, and it's driven through what this product might be able to do at some day. It's capturing dreams, emotions. It's, it's maybe not even solving a problem, but capturing that why. Um, but I guess everything always solves a problem, and, and sometimes that's a, a hard number like ROI, or sometimes that's emotional feeling. Uh, you know, a heightened, you know, sense of self, uh, Stan Duncan might say, but it, it does solve a problem somewhere. Uh, but these are more aspirational, where press releases are more buried in the facts and, and really only journalists read them. Uh, so if you want to, to, to really market it, you have to get in that aspirational lane where social media really lives. This is also where you really want a good brand ambassador or product ambassador on your team. The person that you can send to media, you can put on video, you can put on podcasts that can bring some excitement, can make an event out of out of your release. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of interviews with people talking about new products. And it's like, why did they send that guy? Like, you know, it's like a corpse in a suit. They, they have no emotion. They seem like they have no interest. And it's like, didn't your company work for like two years on this? How is there nobody that can be excited about this product for five, 10 minutes? How can they not fill a de like a demo out? Like, how do you not capture audience. Why did you make this? Again, go back to your why. Why did you make this and find your excitement there? Be inspired by that so you can inspire other people. I, you're exactly right. You know, so sometimes it's a mystery why you do that. But a lot of times those companies are, are so focused on the product itself and what it can do and the technical capabilities of it that they forget that, you know, selling is a much different. Selling's emotional. People buy on emotions. 
what can this do for me? And, and a lot of times that's not a hard, you know, dollar figure, but it's, you know, ease of use it is it's really more emotional. And then you go back and you rationalize why you buy it. But you have to get people excited about it. You have to get people enthused. You have to get the word of mouth going. You have to do all of these different things in the selling of a new product. I, I always think is a, a little bit harder, if, if not a lot harder, than actually creating it and producing it and executing it. It's just at least just as hard every single time. Tony Anderson, change management is critical. Yeah, absolutely. You, John Boglino, he says, you need to make sure the release has enough for the journalist to use for themselves and it's truly worth sharing. Yeah, I mean, our, our journalist's not going to publish something if it's completely... Uh, if it's completely duller, it wouldn't captivate their audience. You have to have something interesting. You have to have something exciting. But you know what you also have to excite? You have to excite your salespeople. You have to train your salespeople because you're there who you expect to go out and evangelize this and, and, to, and to go bring it to the market. A lot of times, companies will just put out some marketing copy and they'll be like, hey, we have like almost offhandedly. Hey, we have this new product and service. Go. You want your salespeople to be like, hey, this S is going to make you a ton of money now. Look at this great product we made. Now it's easier for you to sell. You're making new products, right, to make things easier for your sales team to sell so you can capture more market. You're not trying to make their life harder, are you? Yeah, you know, I mean, basically, you can't sell something unless you're sold on it first, right? So if you're not selling your salespeople on it, you know, that's going to filter down. They're not going to, if they're not sold on it, they're not going to be able to sell it to customers. And it, it, you can take it a step backwards as well. And you're just like, if you're not selling your salespeople on this, then are you really sold on it? So you have all throughout the process from product and engineering and everything, everyone has to be selling what they're doing, being bought out or, or bought through all the way to the customer and the customer's customer. And if people aren't sold on this idea, then, you know, you're going to have a lot of challenges. Hey, you know who just launched a product? Joel McGinley is the managing director of HubTech. We're going to dial him up now to uh, to see his thoughts on this. But one more quote before we do. This is this is a pretty famous one. It's by Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Resonates with a lot of entrepreneurs. It's if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. So don't overthink it either. And as John uh, Buglino says, interesting to an internal team is much different than interest to a market. Couldn't agree more. Let's dial Joel up. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up, Joel? You're with Kevin Hill and, and Dooner here on Put That Coffee Down. Thank you so much for joining us on this show about launching a product. We're very excited to have you on the on the air. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we do a little thing on here. We call it the elevator pitch, but it's more sort of uh, we're just wrapping your introduction into that. So we're going to hit this. You have 30 seconds to just kind of introduce yourself and what you do. I'm going to I'm going to hit the button now. OK. All right. So it's uh, I'm Joel McGinley. I'm with uh, UpTech. I'm the managing director. Got uh, about 40 years of experience in the industry. Uh, UpTech, we provide uh, workforce optimization. So. We can uh, help make your workforce uh, more optimized, more effective. Uh, we do it through automation, and we can also augment your workforce by providing staffing. And we do it through a nearshore program out of Medellin, Colombia. So I've got an office in Medellin, one in Miami, and I am in Portland, Oregon. Perfect. How did I do? You did excellent. You <laughs> you did perfect. Uh, Medellin, uh, Kevin and I, we have heard it be called the Silicon Valley of South America before. 
Uh, well, yeah, Medellin is, yeah, it's kind of the, it is, it's sort of the Silicon Valley. It's, uh, it's, you know, every major sort of big company, Microsoft, Google, you know, AT&T, um, they're all down there. They all have, um, a presence, uh, just because there's just access to, I mean, it's a great city. If you ever want to go to South America, I'd, I'd, I'd make Colombia, um, definitely a, a place to go between Cartagena and Medellin and Bogota. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. It's not what everybody thinks it is. It's not narcos of the nineties. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, kind of upscale. The, um, the comment section too, country. Joel, the comment section, Nicole Barrett, she says you did a, a great job. You are in the midst. You, so you are a, a living example of this topic. CubTech, you put out Tabby, uh, the, the workforce automation, but why did you, what's your experience launching it? You're in the midst of that. And why did you put that out to market? Well, you know, I mean, we've, you know, over my career, I've launched lots and lots of products. And, and honestly, what you try to do is read the market. You know, you try and understand what, you know, where is the market going? And you see this major trend in transportation moving from, um, you know, uh, manual to automation. Okay. So it's, uh, and then you have this sort of labor problem also where, you know, it's hard to attract the labor that you need. It's hard to, to keep up with the, with the, um, the, the changing labor requirements, uh, you know, salaries are going up and all of that. And so we really believe this is just a, a the right product at the right time. And I think, you know, if anybody studies entrepreneurship and, and building businesses, you know, the number one determinant of success is not money. It's not the product. It's not the people. It's timing. And I think, uh, you know, it is just time, um, for this kind of an offering uh, in the in this particular market space, um, yeah, timing. Uh, yeah, t- timing is so important. And and you know, I always have this question for for entrepreneurs and people who are launching new products because I'm I'm very interested in it because because it's a it's a question I always ask myself. You know, uh, you know, what what do you think is harder? You know, coming up with a concept, building a new product or, or service, or the sales and marketing of that service product? Uh, well, I think history has proven that it's the sales and marketing aspect. You know, I mean, you know, I, I've run big companies. I ran DAT, I ran truck stop. I, I you know, tech, not big technology companies in this space. We would track hundreds and hundreds of entrants uh, into this space, all with um, a lot of money behind them, all with a pretty good idea. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it is the sales and marketing. I think that ultimately is you know, is key. You got to be able to connect with your market and you could have the greatest product, but if you can't connect with your market, it doesn't really matter, you know, and the days of, uh, if I build it, they will come, I think are, uh, are long behind us. I think it really is. You got to understand the needs of the market and build to the market requirements. Um, you know, and that's really what Tabby is. Tabby is a, you know, basically a digital worker, and it takes care of the mundane tasks because our market was saying, we don't like doing that $10 an hour work. You know, um, we'd rather take our good people, get them out of the mundane kind of um, processes and let them do things that are more revenue generating, more exciting for them, more customer facing. And, uh, you know, so that's, you listen to the market and you build the product to attend to the market. And that's really where HubTech came from. 
Joel, that makes perfect sense because if you if you think about it, if you put a if you put your bait out there, you put your product out. Like they like they said, if you uh, if your product's perfect, you've waited too long. We we used that Reed Hoffman quote earlier. Um, but if you put a product out, you you can improve it along the way, right? You can take feedback. But if you put bad marketing out there, people are going to have an impression, a, a negative impression about whatever your thing is, or they're just not going to care. It's a lot harder to fix that, um, you know, in 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 post. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you you know, if, if your marketing isn't um, consistent with, you know, really the, the, the problem that you're trying to solve, this is what I say, you know, because I do a lot of coaching. I've coached thousands of people in this industry and, and, and over, you know, multiple different disciplines and, and, uh, and, and, and companies, you know, but the, the, the thing that I really kind of coach them on is what problem are you solving? You know, are you clear on the problem that you're solving? You can have a great idea. You can build great technology. But if it isn't really solving a problem and if the problem isn't easy to like connect with, um, like, you know, when I go into a company, I say, look, uh, how would you like to optimize and improve your overall workforce and get more, get more profitability out of your labor? You know, I mean, who's going to say no to that? Right. And so everybody can kind of connect with that problem. Right. They can connect with a, the, you know, they, 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 they can immediately image in their minds, you know, that time when they, you know, battled with an employee or the employee didn't show up or, you know, they hired somebody they thought was going to be great and, and they didn't do well. And, and, you know, they can, they can totally recognize that as an issue. If you don't have something just kind of simple like that, where you can just, you know, like in that 30 seconds, describe the problem and why your solution is a solution to that problem. Yeah, you lose your audience. And especially in the social media world that we live in today, I mean, you got like 15 seconds to kind of capture it before they move on. And so marketing is huge, more than sales. Marketing, I think, is huge in today's environment and launching products. Yeah, marketing is huge. And it's interesting that you say 15 seconds because you, you really do only have about 15 seconds. And Whenever you're launching a new product, uh, especially anything that's, that's really heavy on tech or, or detailed, you can do the value prop, but then along comes the curse of knowledge, right? Where you know this inside and out. You only have 15 seconds to, to grab someone's attention. How do you, uh, what, what are your thoughts on defeating the curse of knowledge uh, mm. going from an expert over here to, to a novice, you know, communicating it to a novice in 15 seconds? Yeah. And that's really where I say you've got to be clear on your problem, you know, because if you've got a good problem statement that you can throw out there to say, do you have this problem? And then because they, they don't really care whether it's, uh, you know, using one technology or another, or, you know, they don't they don't care about whether it's, you know, it, it's a blockchain or RPA or all of that. All they really want to know is do you have something that's going to solve my problem? So you got to be able to connect at the problem level. And most tech companies, they get so excited and proud of their technology that they're going to want to explain the, the innards of it, right? They're going to want to kind of, mm -hmm. you know, walk you through how it works and why it works. And we call that the feature sell. People don't buy mm -hmm. features. They buy, they buy benefits, right? Like what's that feature going to do for me? Okay. So it, you know, it does this whiz bang thing. What does it, what does it do for me? Does it, does it cut my labor? Does it get me four more loads today? You know, and that's what you've got to make the connection. And if you spend too much time on the features and, and all the great technology and, 
And that's where I've seen so many failures is that they get so all about their technology and in their minds, because they built it and they're maybe technology, you know, centered people, you know, they want to sort of share their brilliance. People do not care. All they want to know is what problem is it going to fix for me? Well, I was on a, on a call just in our company last week and, you know, our, our sales guy got on and, and wanted to just sort of explain all of the features and what it does. And, you know, after about 10 minutes of going through all this, the customer said, look, just tell me how it's going to improve my life. <laughs> right. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's what, that's what everybody wants. And so we make that mistake too often when we're launching new products because we're so excited about the fact that we maybe solved this new technological issue. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to buy it from you, I want to know how it's going to, you know, make my life easier, make me more money. And so, Joe, I was going to simplify it. Yeah. I mean, Apple does an amazing job of this. I mean, the Apple, the iPhone is a great product, but it doesn't just, it's not, if you build it, they will come. There's incredible marketing around the iPhone. There's incredible events. And you'll notice whenever they put out a new phone or a new iOS, they'll say, okay, it has this feature, but what they actually do, they spend most of the time showing you that feature in action. How is that going to enhance your life? How is that going to enhance your social media? How is that going to make your day better? How is it going to make you look better with their, with their new camera? Why does, I don't care that it's three lenses. Oh wait, now I can and shoot in the dark and it's going to make me look like a celebrity. Okay. Maybe. And then I can post it on Instagram. That's something that's a user care about. They care about the output. They don't necessarily care about the device that's making the output. Yep. That's absolutely right. And well said, you know, and that's a good example of a product that I think does good product launch and product marketing. Um, you know, I think, I think our industry is, you know, kind of sucks at it. I think that they don't connect, uh, very well. And, I think it's one of the reasons why it is so fragmented. You know, I mean, Apple kind of consolidated the market, although they've got lots and lots of competitors. Um, you know, they they really, you know, own market share because they were good at connecting, you know, whether it was the style connection in the, in the very beginning. And now it's like, how does this enhance my life? Uh, they're good. You know, they've been really good at kind of connecting to the benefit. And you take some of the technologies that are in transportation, um, you know, you got to really like get into it and get do the demo. And, and I think too many of the companies leave it up to the end user to, to decide what the benefit is instead of just outright telling them what the benefit is. Um, and I think that, that that's why we're, we got such a fragmented selection of choices out there because nobody's really sort of like captured the imagination. Now, we hope Tabby does that because I think Tabby is sort of like the connector, you know, that that connects all of these technologies together. You know, we've been looking for that for a long time. I remember in um, when I was running DAT, we had this idea called the the integrated freight life cycle, which was sort of like the, the back-end technology that connects the whole industry together, sort of like what Sabre did in the travel industry. You know, all of these uh, 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 reservation services, you know, kind of run through the Sabre system. But, you know, we, you know, we just, it wasn't able, we just weren't able to do that because of the complication of dealing with so many different technologies. Well, something like with Tabby, where you're doing it on the user side, where it's, you know, I just need to know the username and password and I can go in and, 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 and extract that. I don't have to bother any programmer to build me some sort of a API and so the ability to actually integrate all of my technologies together 
sort of at one focal point, you know, is what, you know, kind of tabby can provide. And I think that integration, I, you know, the minute I just, you know, tell people about, um, you know, how many different systems are asking the question, how many different systems are your people working on? And they'll say, generally speaking, four to five. So they got maybe, you know, a spreadsheet open, they got their TMS open, they got a couple load boards open, you know, they might have a rate calculator open and all of that. And they're, you know, they got these three screens on their desk because they've got all of these programs open. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if you just could press a button and instead of having to, you know, the, the user having to go open those applications up and, and interact with them, that an automated process did that for you. And they're like, oh my God, when can I get that? And that's, you know, that's the kind of simple message that your technology has to be able to provide in order for people to really, you know, get excited about it. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the, to the the technology uh, demonstrations and, and demos oh, it reminds me of, of Silicon Valley and then the scene where uh, Richard, uh, it's a focus group and, and they're trying to use uh, Pied Piper and uh, no one can figure it out. <laughs> no one can figure it out because nothing's intuitive. You know, it's all about the tech and not about what you can do uh, with that tech. So that, that always well, reminds me of that scene. So it's like that story when, when, when Bill Gates goes to heaven, goes to the pearly gates, and St. Peter says, hey, Bill, you're such an influential man in life. You get to choose between heaven and hell. And he says, well, gosh, can I get kind of a, you know, a peak? And so the curtain opens up, and first scene they see is like white sand beaches and, you know, people playing volleyball and having drinks with uh, – you know, umbrella uh, in their drinks and azure blue sea. And Bill says, man, that, that's really good. Is, is, is that heaven? And St. Peter says, no, that's hell. Goes, wow. I said, well, how about heaven? And the other screen opens up and it's a bunch of angels kind of floating on clouds and playing harps and everything's peaceful and content. Bill says, well, gosh, I think I want hell. And next thing you know, he's down in the cave and, fire all around him and he's hot and thirsty and he yells up to St. Peter and says, St. Peter, we're like the white sand beaches and the bikini clad bays. And St. Peter yells down and says, well, Bill, that, that was just the demo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joel, that was, that, was, that, was a, that was a great joke, but I have, I have a question for you and it, it stems from a comment that we had in the comment section here. Oh, by the way, Ray Roy says he may have to review his 15 second message. Great comment about taking talking about the resolution rather than focusing on features. But my question is, how do you switch the... So I think a lot of companies get locked in this thing where they're still stuck in their internal pitch. So you spend all this time developing this new product, but they don't switch course and start thinking about the output, what they're going to go to market with and making making the user excited. And I think that, that just psychologically for some teams, that can be tough because they spend so much time convincing people internally, investors and everything about features and about what it, about what it can do for them in terms of raising them money. But when you're going out to a market it's a much different approach so how do you get your team to to switch that thinking yeah you know that's a really really good point and i think it's spending time with the market right i mean you know uh, i mean attending the trade shows you know showing up with the freight waves types of events and and you know being connected to the market i think is so critical um so many companies don't do that they don't invest that time they don't get they don't hire people from industry um, you know, I've seen that happen just in my path where, you know, there were companies that I ran that were serving the transportation industry. I didn't have anybody on my staff that had come out of industry that really, you know, connected and understood 
what the user was going through and what the user experience is. You got to get your staff kind of connected and, 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 you know, sitting with their users and, uh, you know, and I mean, if I'm selling freight services, I'm not just selling, talking about selling, you know, technology products, but if I'm selling freight services, it's the same thing. You got to understand what that shipper is going through, you know, on the other side of, of, uh, the phone, um, you know, what, what, what's it, what, what's their day look like and what are their pressures and, you know, what are their bosses asking of them? When you can sort of have that, that, that view into the customer's life and really what's sort of motivating them, I mean, it makes the, I mean, it, it changes everything from a sales standpoint. And if you can speak to their kind of needs and pain, you know, because you understand what they're going through, you get credibility. And when you get credibility in sales, you know, you create comfort and people buy when they're comfortable. Uh, but they don't buy when they're uncomfortable. And, you know, if you don't have that credibility, if they don't perceive that that sales guy that's pitching to me really understands their business and, and what they're going through, it's hard to build that credibility and to build that comfort. It is. It is hard to, uh, it's, it's always easier to kind of do sales from positions you've had in, in, in the past, you know, selling freight brokers after being in freight brokers, uh, much easier than, than trying to imagine what their, their day is and building the credibility that way. Uh, Dooner, do, do we want to do the, uh, the, do the survey now? Yeah, let, let's, let's dive through some of these. So the first one's pretty quick. It was just, have you ever sold a product or service that is brand new to the market? We put a survey, we put a survey out to, to our, the put that coffee down audience during the week. They fill these things out. 65% of you said you've already done it. Well, 35% said no. A little more meat on the bone on this next one though. And Joel, let's get your opinion on this. It says, what do you think is the most difficult part of selling a brand new product or service? Educating your prospects was at 35%. Marketing it correctly was at 30% to get uh, to get leads. Je- educating yourself and sales team, 20%. Building a sales plan to reach the target was 10%. And projecting an accurate sales forecast was also only 10%. Would you, uh, would you switch that order at all? Mm, you know, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. I think, you know, educating the market uh, when it's a new product is absolutely critical. But part of that educating the market assumes you've got a sales plan. So I might move the sales plan piece up, um, you know, and that sales plan has to be, or that marketing plan has to be like evolving, right? You got to be getting feedback and then making adjustments, um, you know, along the way. But I think that if, if there was one thing that I would probably move up, I'd say put a little bit more importance on building, you know, a better plan, a, a plan that really is, you know, you're going to be able to communicate, and connect with the target audience. But I think the biggest challenge you always have is getting the users to understand, you know, how it's going to benefit them and, and, you know, how they're really going to use it. Um, I always said, you know, when we launched software products, I always said, you know, users only really use what they learned on the first day of training, you know? And so if you've got all these bells and whistles that you think are the competitive differentiator, you'd better incorporate that early on in communicating to the user because once they get into their day, you know, they're only going to really remember those, those two or three things that they learned in that initial training. The other one here was what are the best methods for, for get, for doing that, for educating and engaging prospects in your key target audience about your new product or service. 
Sales videos, 25%. Email marketing and cold calling was at 20%. Online advertising, 15%. Traditional advertising, 10%. Podcast, 10%. Blog post, 10%. Webinars, 5%. One, one commentary I'll make here, and I, I, I know I have a little bit, I'm a little biased, but I have bought probably more things off hearing podcast interviews than, than many other, and many of these other ways. And I think it's because of the intimacy of having headphones on and just walking around and getting to hear someone, you know, open up about a product and having uh, just a little bit of time to walk me through what it does. But also, I really like the medium of podcast. So that's helped me. But I think videos are incredibly powerful as well, because we're visual people. I agree. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, you know, we didn't know what a podcast was a couple of years ago, right? And, uh, you know, and I, 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 I cringe every time my wife listens to a podcast, because the next day, there's something, you know, on our porch. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think when you have that sort of intimate conversation and somebody's recommending a product and maybe given his experience or that expertise, um, where they can really kind of get into, you know, the details of it. Um, you know, I think again, that's connecting with, you know, that person's potential problem. Um, I think you're going to see podcasts because it's, it's just still, I think so new, even though I mean, podcasts have been around for several years it's still so new as sort of a marketing element. I think you're going to see that increase. I really like webinars. I like, you know, because the people that typically show up at a webinar want to know what you're talking about. And so you, I think you have a high conversion rate off of a webinar. Um, I mean, email marketing, if it's done right, um, you know, I think the old days of just spamming people is, is just not, you know, first of all, they get filtered out initially. Um, you know, as spam. So I think email marketing when done right can really be effective. Um, you know, cold calling seems to be on the out and, you know, nobody just, nobody answers their phone anymore and it's just difficult to get a hold of people. Um, but I like, um, I like an integrated approach where you sort of use all of those tools and, uh, and then have them build upon each other. Um, you know, I, I think I think you've got to be a lot more sophisticated in your marketing and sales today to get to your market. Kevin, are you still if you Kevin, you can only pick one of those. Are you still team email marketing or uh, you can't go integrate? You got to pick one, Kevin Hill. <laughs> You're forcing my hand here. I what am. I, I know. Uh, you know, I, I like email marketing, um, uh, but, but I, I will go with podcasts. OK. You know what? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I'll put the podcasts in the emails, though. Okay, so, so I'll get around that that limitation of one. So I'll go with email yeah. email marketing with with podcasts and, and sales videos in there, and, uh, and and do it that way. And uh, so okay, great. And I, I I hear you. I think integrate is the way to go. I don't think these are hard and yeah. fast. And also, like to go back to marketing plans, you shouldn't just have a you should have not a marketing plan. You should have marketing plans. I mean, you should be a b testing this mm -hmm. stuff as well. It's a little bit. It, it, it's there's sometimes some arrogance in 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 these rooms where you put things out and you go, okay, this is the perfect plan. It's, it's going to work. Well, what if it doesn't? What if you're not getting the interaction you need? That's the beauty of AB testing and a digital world makes that easier than ever. Cause you can capture all of those analytics. The last survey question, old, the last survey question here, just uh, there, there, there's, there's an old saying, you know, no battle plan meets contact with the enemy. And it's the same in business, right? No marketing plan survives contact with the, with the customer. It's going to get blown up. Your master plan, where how how you're going to market this. As soon as you roll it out, it's going to blow up, and you're going to have to to fix things, adjust to to what the market's telling you. 
Joel, before we let you go, because we're running out of time here, uh, we do have one comment in the comment section. Kevin, you might be a good one for this too, but we'll start with Joel. What is your advice on doing email the right way? Mm. Well, I think, you know, it, it, it starts with just who are you, who are you emailing to? You know, where did you get that list? So I think it starts with making sure that you're sourcing properly your lead list. Number two is, is that, you know, you got to have a very good subject line, right? That subject line is absolutely critical. Um, and then number three is, is that make the email short, sweet to the point and have it be a, if they want more information, have it click off to then a longer presentation. If you try to put your entire sort of presentation in the email, it's not going to work. You know, you want to hit the, 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 the highlights, you know, strong benefit statements. If you want to learn more, click here, and then it'll click off to maybe a web page. And, uh, of course, then maybe you can even capture their contact information off of that web page. Um, but I think, you know, it's all about the right list, the right subject line, and a very sort of um, short, sweet, to the point um, body of the message with a, with a click off to uh, uh, more information. Kevin, anything to add to that or did he nail it? He, he nailed it. Those are the three most important parts. Uh, if you want to get my 15-page guide I wrote a couple years ago on 10 xing your cold emails, then uh, just DM, DM me or, or comment on, on one of my posts. Uh, and I, I might do a LinkedIn post and, and just have that PDF out there. But those are three of the most important. I have like 10 rules. Uh, so, so I explain a little bit further than that. But yeah, if it doesn't get opened, it doesn't get read. Short, sweet, to the point. Call to action to, to go somewhere else for a longer presentation or more information. Joel, where should so, people... Yeah, I agree with Joel. Joel, where should people go after this? GoHubTech.com? GoHubTech.com. Thank you very much. And uh, Joel McGinley, you want to connect with him on LinkedIn? It's Joel McGinley with HubTech. He's, uh, he's, a, he's as you heard, he's a very insightful and a great guy. Joel, we really appreciate your time today and uh, HubTech supporting the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Wow. Excellent guest. Excellent guest. Some, some really good yep. insights. And I like that he he would say some information, but he would unpack it, too, uh, very succinctly mm-hmm. in actionable ways, which is uh, which is what, what you need, right? Yeah. Um, one what thing it's would, all about. One thing I would add to to do email marketing well would be also make sure you're just cleaning your list using a something like a, a zero bounce or something like that, so you don't get kicked off Mailchimp mm-hmm. or whatever server you're using. So periodically download your your contact list as you're adding to it, run it through the ringer, and then re-upload it so you don't get yourself in trouble. They're getting more and more stringent about these things. In fact, you can actually get yourself sued and. Uh, if, if you're sending out too much spam. So you got to be careful there. It's a different world than it was even a couple of years ago as far as the email marketing world is concerned. Right, Kevin? That, that's right. And Casey Larkin actually just pinged me on Slack wanting a copy of that, that PDF. So oh, I'll send it out to you, Casey. Dude, I love, when our, I love when our sales guys listen. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. Hey, uh, what's it called? Uh, Emily Zink. Oh, Emily Zink liked, uh, liked his joke. Nicole Barrett, she said, so much yes in regards to Joel's comments about email marketing and spam. Brandon Dawson, oh, he would ask that question about email the right way. We just answered it. Joseph Landry, what is an example of a good subject line or rules to follow? A subject line, I, Kevin, I think you and I are both fans of a question, right? Asking a question maybe about mm-hmm. a problem or solving a problem or don't you hate it or wouldn't it be nice or something that is like makes the person, oh, I got to open it. I wouldn't, I don't know. I need yep. to know the punchline. I need to know the answer to what this email just proposed. Yeah, it's a it's a teaser. It's your best sentence, as they say. Your headline's your best sentence. Your opening uh, line in a marketing email is your second best sentence. 
Your third best sentence, keep it under 120 words. That's 30 seconds of reading. And that's uh, this as much attention span as, as any of us have. So get that in, call to action, and then they're inserted into the funnel in some, some sense. Kevin, what book are we giving away? We're going to give away 10X, and they're both over at my desk. The, the one, or actually, we're giving it out to uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People Today. Okay. And then next week's is going to be 10X by Grant Cardone. They're sitting over my desk. I, I came over here and totally forgot about them. Okay. If you want to be a part of this drawing, just comment in the comment section right here. Say, I want to be in the drawing, or comment on any of our social posts, or reach out to Kevin Hill and myself. Uh, you can reach out to me at, on Twitter at Timothy Dooner, that's D O N E R, or on LinkedIn, or Kevin Hill. And I think it's Kevin Hill CL on the Twitter. He's not as active on Twitter as I am. You're better off with Kevin hitting him on LinkedIn. You can get me either place. All right, let's roll right now. Let's see what we're going to get. It's number 42, and 42 would be Casey Metcalf. Casey Metcalf, you have won the book. Casey Metcalf is the winner of this week's book. But Kevin, we now have a second, a second drawing, right? Are we giving away a put that coffee down prototype hat? Let's do it. All right, we're going to give away. Let's do it. This one, this, this one right here. So, it kind of looks like the Orioles, right? Yeah. The, the Orioles old hat, or I guess they still wear it. Over they the, have baseball ever again. So for the hat, over the course of the next week, all you have to do, share the show and tag us. Just share the show and tag Kevin Hill or myself, and we will enter you in the drawing. Someone will get this hat next week. So again, just share the show and tag us. Uh, if you want to if you want to subscribe to the show, you want the audio version, you want that intimacy we were talking about, either go to Put That Coffee Down on your favorite podcast player of choice, where you can also find that song, Art of War, which is our theme song, or subscribe to Freightcast. You get every single Freight Waves podcast. You like the video? version guess what every single day live shows on freightwaves tv on freightwaves linkedin on freightwaves facebook at noon you got what the truck book ending on mondays and fridays you got the you got kevin hill and the dude on the midday market update tuesdays and thursdays and then at halftime right in the middle you got you get your coaching from kevin hill and i on put that coffee down 2 p.m on tuesdays you got kevin hill's other show great quarter guys after this show we got uh two o'clock today you got freightonomics with Anthony Smith and Zach Strickland doing the macroeconomics of the freight world. And uh, then uh, what? We have Wit Sonar, 4 p.m. And then Freight Forecasting Thursday with the dude at 4 p.m. Uh, go to FreightWaves.com. Get all your late breaking news. We got our next virtual event, 3PL Summit, coming up January 21st. Join us. We kicked ass last time, and we're prepared to do it again. Right, Kevin? Yes, and it's July 21st, not January 21st. Oh, it's, it's, it's a January? Sunday. Where am I? Yeah. July, yeah, yes. you said January. I don't know I why know. I said that. It's like 95 degrees outside. It is like 95 degrees out. Well, me. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, thanks for everyone who joined us in the comments today. Thank you to HubTech for supporting the show this month, for believing in it. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor the show, just reach out to us. We'll get you in touch with the right people. And thank you to uh, everyone who's joined that Glengarry list. Don't sleep on it. In the link to this show, we share it out. There's always a link to our Google Doc, which is a Glengarry networking list. Uh, it's helped out Nicole Barrett. It'll help out you. She'll be on the show tune. Tune in next week when we break down job listings. Boom. 